0: We've been doing this series we started last week called Church Sins. Somebody say Church Sins. Church Sins. It doesn't seem like those two words really ought to go together. Kind of like some words like maybe like awfully good or pretty ugly or definite maybe or funny pastor. I mean, words that just just don't really go together church sins it seems like those shouldn't go together and yet the unfortunate truth is is that those words really do kind of go together because there really are plenty of church sins. is just that we don't talk about those very much, right? Like nobody likes to talk about their own sin. And so many times in church and as Christians, we're really good at pointing the finger at the world's sins and yet ignoring our own sins. And nobody likes it when we talk about those things. It's a little bit uncomfortable and it's a little bit convicting. And yet that's exactly what we are doing in this series. We are talking about our sins. We're talking about the sins of church people we're talking about Christian sins and here's here's what we're doing we've decided in this series what we're going to do is instead of looking out the window what we're going to do is we're going to take a look in the mirror and this is what Jesus talked about in fact in Matthew chapter 7 Jesus says hey before you try to get the speck of sawdust out of somebody else's eye maybe you ought to take that big 10 foot long two by six out of your own eye right right that's from the that's from the revised CMB version, Chad Michael Benson version if you didn't know that translation. But here's what we're doing. We're deciding, hey, instead of looking at other people, instead of looking out the window, what we're going to do is we're going to look in the mirror, and we're going to see some of the areas in our own life where maybe we are slipping up just a little bit as a church and as Christians. And we've had kind of a passage that is leading us through this series. If you have your Bibles, you may want to go ahead and turn there with me today. It's found in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you remember from last week, Paul is speaking to a specific group of people in this town called Corinth, that's the reason that the book is called, or the letter is called Corinthians, and he's speaking not just to the group of people in in Corinth, but he's actually talking to the church in Corinth, so he's talking to Christians, he's talking to church people, and he deals with some pretty deep stuff, I mean, he deals with some of the stuff that we might kind of label as the big sins, he talks about drunkenness, and he talks about adultery, and he talks about fornication, he talks about homosexuality. But then he brings it down really to kind of right where we're at. And this is where we're going to see in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 20. It's on the screen there for you. Here's what he says. He says, for I am afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find and you won't like my response. Talking to the church, he says, I am afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, Arrogance and disorderly behavior. Paul pretty much just kind of reads our mail right there. He says, hey, when I come to see you, I don't want to find these things. I don't want to find sexual sins. I don't want to find drunkenness and homosexuality and those kind of things that we label as the big deal type of sins. But here's the thing. I also don't want to find some of the things that we might label as kind of not really that big of a deal. And the truth is it's really easy for us to look at these other sins that are incredibly destructive. And yet the truth of the matter is that these sins like quarreling and anger and jealousy and selfishness and slander and gossip and arrogance and disorderly behavior are just as destructive. Jesus says he's looking for a church that is without spot or blemish and that's what we're doing in this series. We are imagining what would it be like to be a church without spot or wrinkle. What would it be like to be that kind of church and those kind of people and those kind of Christians that Jesus said that he is returning for and so every single week what we're doing is we're just taking this list that Paul gave us and we're just looking at them one by one and we're learning how to get rid of these things from our life. Last week we talked about about quarreling. So everybody say quarreling and we talked about arguments, talked about conflict, talked about fighting, talked about relationships, we talked about how destructive those are, we talked about why we struggle with those things, we talked about how powerful it would be if the people of God would come together in unity, powerful, powerful stuff. Today, we're going to look at this second one on the list, and I'm telling you, it's a big one. I'm just telling you, like, whenever I was studying for this, I saw some of this in my own life, and I'm pretty sure you're going to see some of this in your own life as well today we're going to talk about jealousy let's just do a little let's just do a little survey here this morning and be honest you got to be honest because you're in church right how many of you how many of you have ever looked at something that somebody else had and thought i want what they got Come on, raise your hand, be honest. I mean, you look around, some of you this week, you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you're going, man, they got the day off and I don't get the day off. Come on, right? Like they're going to the Garth Brooks concert and I didn't get to go to the Garth Brooks concert and you're looking at, I mean, you walked in this morning or in the parking lot, you thought, man, I wish I had a car like they have that car. Man, my car, sorry, and their car is awesome. Man, you walked in, you saw somebody say, man, I wish I had shoes like that. Or I wish I had a shirt like that. Or I wish I had kids like that. Or I wish I could dance like Pastor Chad. I know some of y'all were jealous over here didn't worship. you seeing me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And we do that, don't we? We look around and we go, man, I wish I had what somebody else has. I wish I could be what somebody else is. And it starts out even at a very, very young age. I mean, you don't, you don't have to teach your kids to do this because you've seen it before. Those of you that have little kids, like they're happy with the toy that they have until another friend has a toy that they want, right? And then suddenly I don't want this toy I got. I, I want the toy somebody else has got. And it grows with us as we get older. And it's this little thing that we think it's not really a big deal, but it is a big deal, this little thing called jealousy. So we're going to look at it here today. If you're taking notes, we're just going to, just going to ask three questions about jealousy. If you want to write these down, the first one is this, why is jealousy a big deal? Some of you, even already right now, you're going, man, this is not really a big deal. Why are we even talking about this? Don't they know that there's bigger sins in the world and bigger issues in the world to be dealing with than this? Why is he talking about this? It's not really a big deal, all right? Well, let's see what the scripture has to say about it. In James chapter 3... And verse number 14, let's see what James has to say about it. He says, but if you are bitterly jealous there is, and there is selfish ambition in your hearts, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Verse 15, look at this. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and look at this word, demonic. Let's just stop right there for a second. Is jealousy a big deal? I don't know. Right there he said it, it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. Let, let's just keep on reading verse number 16. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every other kind of evil. Let's just take a vote. How many this morning say jealousy is a big deal? Raise your hand. How many say jealousy is not a big deal? Raise your hand. All right. I'd say the, the, na- the yays have it, right? The truth is, where there is jealousy, the scripture says that it's worldly, that it's unspiritual, that it is demonic, it is of the devil. And where there is jealousy, there will be all other kinds of evil. And we see that over and over and over throughout the scripture. In fact, let's just, let's just get kind of a little working definition of jealousy so we just kind of understand what we're talking about. If you're taking notes, write this down. I love this little definition that I kind of borrowed from another pastor, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, Pastor Craig Rochelle. and this is what he says about jealousy. He says, jealousy is resenting God's goodness in others' lives while ignoring God's goodness in your own life. Oh, that's so good. What is jealousy? Jealousy is when I resent God's goodness in somebody else's lives. Well, look at what they got and look at that house that they live in and look at that car that they drive and look at that great job that they have and look how much money they're making and look how well their kids behave and look how great their marriage is. Resenting God's goodness in somebody else's life while ignoring God's goodness in my own life. God has done so many big and great things in my life, but I can't see it, and I'm not thankful for it because I'm too busy looking at what God has done in somebody else's life. And man, I'm telling you what, that's convicting. Because I do it all the time in my life. Maybe some of you do that in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's physical jealousy. Maybe it's, you know, ladies, you're at the gym and there's just that one lady at the gym and it's just like, she's so skinny. Why can't I be skinny like her? And she's got such great, you know, such a great figure and I'm still trying to lose the baby weight for my kid who's 15 years old. And, <laughs> right? Guys, you're looking at that like, man, look at those biceps. Why can't I have biceps like that? Like, if I had biceps like that, I'd be going which way to the beach? Oh, it's that way. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's relational jealousy. Maybe some of you girls, some of you single girls that are here this morning, maybe it's like, oh, you know, all my friends are getting a boyfriend. And all my friends are getting engaged. and They're getting married. And I'm always a bridesmaid, and never a bride. And look at her flaunting that big old ring around everywhere. It just makes me so sick. Maybe it's, maybe it's in our marriage. We look, at, we look at somebody else's marriage and we go, man, man, why can't my wife treat me like that? Like She's so encouraging and always lifting him up and always making him feel good. And my wife, she's an angel. She's just harping all the time, you know? And, <laughs> come on, this is funny stuff right here, I'm telling you. You know what? Jealousy even happens in the church, doesn't it? They got to sing on the worship team. Why don't I get to sing on the worship team? They got to be on the pastor's council. Why don't I get to be on the pastor's council? Their pastor preaches shorter sermons than our pastor preaches. (laughs) We even get jealous of each other's spiritual gifts, like they can sing really good and I can't carry a tune or they're such a great leader and all I get to do is, all I get to do is serve, serve, serve all the time. And there's this, this thing of jealousy, resenting God's goodness in somebody else while ignoring God's goodness in my own life. And it's a it's a big, big deal. And it wasn't just, it's not just a big deal for us now. It was a big deal back in the scripture as well. In fact, we see it over and over throughout the New Testament, New Testament, and Old Testament. We see we see jealousy rearing its ugly head and causing so many problems. We see it in Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 5. You may remember from the very, very beginning, Cain and Abel. And you remember how Cain was jealous of his brother Abel because they both made sacrifices sacrifices to God, but Abel's sacrifice sacrifice was acceptable to God and Cain's was not. And you remember what happened that Cain was so jealous of Abel. What did he do? He struck his own brother and killed him. Tell me jealousy is not a big deal. Where there is jealousy, there is all kinds of other evil as well. We see it again in one of my favorite Characters in the whole Bible, you may remember his story of Joseph. You remember how God had a dream for Joseph's life. And you remember how Joseph wasn't that good at communicating his dream, sometimes maybe even a little bit prideful in that. Even his, his dad kind of favored him to his other brothers, and because of that, his brothers were jealous of him. And what happened because of their jealousy? They were upset because he had that cool coat that his dad had given him. And what did they do? They beat him up and they threw him into a into a pit and they sold him into slavery and all of that because of the jealousy that was in their hearts and we see it over and over throughout the scripture we see it again with king saul and with david i mean think about it what did king saul have to be jealous of david he was the king King saul was the king of all the land and david was just a little shepherd boy But we saw it as God anointed David as the next king and as David killed Goliath and as people began to sing songs like Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands and we see the king of Israel become so jealous of this little shepherd boy that one day as David is playing his harp the king picks up a spear and throws it at him and from there we see this downward spiral as the king of Israel begins to chase David all around the land, David hiding out in caves because the king's wanting to kill him and it all started with jealousy in fact almost all of the stuff that we deal with in this world today all of the sin really kind of comes down to this because we see in Isaiah chapter 14 the Bible says that Lucifer became so jealous of God that God had to strike him down and throw him out of heaven and that's the reason we have sin in this world today and it all started with this jealousy is it a big deal? I'd say it's a pretty big deal. It's worldly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. Where there is jealousy, there are all kinds of other disorders and all kinds of evil. Number two, write this down. What does jealousy do? If jealousy is such a big deal, then... What does it do in our life? Well, look what it says in Proverbs 14 and verse 30. It says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like cancer. Everybody say cancer. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Here's what the scripture says. The scripture says, when we have a, a peace in our heart, it's like, it's good for us. It's good for our body. But when we allow jealousy into our hearts, here's what it does. It corrupts us from the inside out. It is like a cancer to the bones. And so many of us have experienced this before. We have allowed jealousy. We begin to look around and we see someone has something that we wish we had or someone has a life that we wish that we could experience or someone is is where we wish that we could be. And we look around and we see it and it begins to take root down in our heart and it doesn't stop with just a little jealousy or just a little envy. It begins to grow inside of us until there is anger, until there is resentment, until there becomes bitterness in our heart that begins to take over our minds It begins to take over our thoughts and we can't even, we can't even drive down the road and we're, and we're angry and we're resentful because someone has something that we wish that we have. We can't even come to church and worship God because we're not thankful for what we have because we're so looking at the things that other people have and it fills our hearts and it fills our lives and it rots us from the inside out. So here's a question here. If we're going to deal with this, then we got to be honest, all right? Let's just be honest here today. What are you jealous about? Who are you jealous of? In fact, I want you to give it a little bit of thought for a second. If you're you're brave enough to do this, there's a place in your notes to just write down. What are you jealous of? Who are you jealous of? I'll go first. We have a little pastor, just kind of pastor confession. It's all right. The pastor just gets honest here. I'm jealous of a few things. Sometimes, you know, the truth is, sometimes I'm jealous of people that don't have to work on the weekends. I'm just I'm being honest. Like, I mean, you know, what do I do on the weekends? Not much. I mean, I'm just saving the world, winning people to Jesus. I mean... <laughs> What are you guys doing? You're going to the lake. You're watching football. You're sleeping in. You know, I mean, sometimes I just go, man, well, man, this weekend maybe I'll just go to the lake and let somebody else win people to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean... <laughs> just being honest. I mean, sometimes I'm jealous of people who clock out at 5 o'clock and then they're done, you know? I mean, that'd be awesome. One of these days, I just go to work at Walmart. And I'll just, when 5 o'clock comes, I'll just clock out at 5 o'clock and then I'm done. Because you know what? As a pastor, your job never ends. You know what? I mean, even when I'm off, I'm not really off and my mind is there. And my phone could ring at any time and all these. And sometimes, man, I look at you guys that just, you know, you're done at 5. I'm jealous a little bit sometimes, i just get really honest. Sometimes I'm jealous of people who are scratch golfers. I just thought I'd throw that one in there. I mean, it's true, it's true. And and here's the deal, what are you jealous of? I mean, really, be honest. Maybe some of you are like, I'm jealous of you, Pastor. You just have to work on Sundays, you know? I mean... (laughs) I wish I could get up there and preach a sermon. Or I wish I worked a job that seemed to have some eternal purpose to it. And what are you jealous of? Maybe you're jealous of a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's the car that they drive. Maybe it's the job that they have. Maybe it's the marriage that they have. And just be honest here today because here's the deal. Before you can manage something, you first got to own it. Let's just own it. What are we jealous of? And how do we rid ourselves ...of this thing called jealousy. In fact, that's the third thing today. How do we rid ourselves of jealousy? If you're taking notes, write these down. The first one we're going to do, we're going to do three things. The first thing is this. We're going to stop comparing ourselves... If we want to get jealousy out of our heart, here's where it starts. We're going to to stop comparing ourselves to others. Look what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse number 12. It says, For we do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are, what does it say? They are not wise. And the truth is, I think we know this deep down in our heart. We know that it's not a wise thing to do to compare myself to my neighbor or to compare myself to someone else. But man, I'm telling you what, it's so easy for us to fall into that trap. Well, you know, our house is bigger than their house or no, their house is nicer than our house or well, you know, I make more money than they make or they make more money than me or well, you know, man, their kid is on the honor roll or my kid beat up their kid that was on the honor roll or whatever and we like to compare ourselves and we like to classify and we like to rank and we like to see where do i rank and how do i measure up and we like to look at the rankings and man i'm doing better than somebody else or somebody else is doing better than me and all that leads to is jealousy in our hearts and we saw this over and over with the disciples you would see it as the disciples were were going around with Jesus everywhere they went you see it over and over they were asking questions like jesus Who's the greatest among us? When we get to heaven, who gets to sit next to you? Who gets to be first? And we see this; it's a natural thing in our hearts. In fact, one time uh, Jesus was talking to Peter, and he was telling Peter something that really, really Peter didn't want to hear all that much. He was telling him that, "Hey, when I'm gone, you're going to actually be a martyr and die for your faith." And Peter didn't really like that very much. And he saw John standing over there, and he pointed over at John and says, "Well, what about him?" And Jesus says, what about him? I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about you. And so many times what we like to do is we like to go, what about him? Or what about him? And we like to resent the goodness of God in others' lives while ignoring the goodness of God in our own life. And we rank and we compete and we compare and it's dangerous. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might just write this down here this morning. Here's what happens when we compete and when we compare. It either leads to pride or insecurity. When we compete and when we compare, it either leads to pride or it leads to insecurity. Because if I look at somebody else and I'm doing better than them, man, I got a bigger house than them, or I got a better job than them, or, or whatever it is, and then what does that do? It builds up inside of us a pride. Look at me. Look how good I'm doing. But then when I look at somebody else and I go, man, they're not I'm not doing as good as them. What is it, what does it begin to do? It begins to bring insecurity in my life. And I'll just tell you, it's ugly and it's not good, but it happens. And it even happens in pastors. I just, this is the day for transparency here this morning. Man, I tell you, there are times when I'll look at somebody else's church and, and I'll go, man. Man, I'm doing so much better than them. Look at our church. Look at their church. And what does that do? It just begins to build up pride in my heart. There are also times when I look at somebody else and I go, Man, their church is three times bigger than ours. What's the matter with me? Something's wrong with me. And what does it do? It begins to bring insecurity. And it's dangerous when we begin to compare ourselves to others. When we begin to try to rank and try to compare. It leads to jealousy in our hearts. And the scripture says it like this. It says in Galatians 6 and verse 4 that each one should test what? His own actions without comparing himself to someone else. It's dangerous when we begin looking at ourselves compared to somebody else. Instead, we should test our own actions without comparing. So everybody say stop comparing. If we're going to get rid of jealousy, we're going to stop comparing. Number two, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start celebrating. We're going to stop comparing others, ourselves to others and we're going to start celebrating God's goodness in others. Instead of resenting God's goodness in others' lives, we will celebrate it. In fact, that's what the scripture says in Romans 12 and verse number 15. It says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. The Bible says that, hey, when God does good things in others' lives, when God blesses someone else, when God gives someone else something that we wish that we had, what does the Bible say for us to do? The Bible says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. We are to celebrate with those that God is blessing. Man, a great example we see of this in the Old Testament We see it with David and Jonathan. You remember I just told you that Saul was so jealous of David. Because David was anointed as the next king. Now if anybody should have been jealous of David, it should have been Jonathan. Jonathan was Saul's son. He was the rightful heir to the throne. I can imagine just as a little boy as he was thinking, I just can't wait to be king. One of these days, I'm going to be able to be the king. I'm going to set up on the throne. I'm going to be the one that's going to rule. I'm going to be the one that's going to have all of the power. But God had a different plan. And he anointed this shepherd boy, David, to be the king. And if anyone could have had jealousy in their heart, it would have been Jonathan. And yet, even though Saul was jealous of David, Jonathan was David's friend. In fact, it says in 1 Samuel 23 and verse 17 that Jonathan said, Don't be afraid of my father Saul, for for he will not lay a hand on you, and you will be king of Israel, and I will be what? Look at these words. Second to you. Here's how you get rid of jealousy. You become second to others. When God blesses others, when God does good things in others, you rejoice with them. You serve them. You lift them up. You encourage them. When someone else gets something that you were hoping for, you rejoice with those who rejoice. When someone else gets the promotion and the boss overlooks you to give it to the son-in-law, you rejoice with those who rejoice. When somebody else makes the team and you wanted to make the team, you rejoice with those who rejoice. When you've been praying for something and Want it so desperately and somebody else's prayers get answered and your prayer doesn't get answered you rejoice with those who rejoice instead of resenting God's goodness in someone else's life we decide that we will rejoice with and we will celebrate God's goodness in the lives of others Man, I'm telling you, I, I saw this just this last week. A friend of mine texted me and said, Hey, I just want to tell you a couple of cool things that are happening in my business. And he told me about a few really cool things that were happening. And I told him, I just texted back, said, Man, that is so awesome. I am so proud of you. And he texts back. And here's what he said. He said, You know, I don't share this stuff with anybody else. I can only share it with you because when I share it with other people that are in my business or other people in my line of work, they, I, they feel jealous. And there's this all this resentment and all this problems. And it's just... I I, I can only share these things with you, and I texted back and I said, "Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad that we don't, that most of us don't have anybody in our lives that we can celebrate the good things with?" Man, I think about that. I mean, as a pastor, sometimes it's hard. Because when we have a great day or when we finish a building or when we do great things for God and you want to celebrate with someone but you're afraid, I can't really tell my other pastor friends because what if they had a bad day or what if they're struggling. or We don't know how to celebrate with those who are doing well. We don't know how to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And as the body of Christ, it's a sad thing. The Scripture says that we ought to encourage one another while it's still called today that we should be a people who instead of being jealous when God blesses somebody else, we should celebrate with them. And here's the deal. It's hard to be jealous of somebody else that God is blessing when you're celebrating with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. We're going to start celebrating God's goodness in others, we're going to stop comparing ourselves to others. Letter C. Write this down. Here's the big one. This is the biggest one for me. Here, I'll tell you, this week is this: is we're going to start embracing God's blessings in our own lives. Instead of being jealous of what others are doing, instead of comparing ourselves. To what God is doing in others. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at our own life and we're going to see the blessings of God that is in our life and we're going to embrace it. Instead of ignoring God's blessing in our life, we are going to be grateful for We are going to embrace God's blessings in our life. In fact, look what the scripture says in Ecclesiastes 6 and verse 9. It says, better what the eye sees than a roving appetite. This too is meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. Here's what the scripture is saying. Hey, it's better to be satisfied with what you see, with what you have, with what's in your hand, with what's right there in front of you. You can always have a roving appetite. You can always be looking for more, wanting more, looking at what somebody else has and saying, I wish I had what they had. And it's not fair. Why are they blessed? And I'm not blessed. But the scripture says it's better to be satisfied with what you have, with what's in your hand. Because as long as you're looking at everybody else's life and looking at what you don't have, guess what that's like? It's like chasing after the wind. You're never going to catch it. You're never going to be satisfied. It's so much better to look and say, look what God has done in my life. Look how he has blessed me and be satisfied with that. See, the truth is, someone else may say, hey, the grass is greener over in their yard. But here's a great principle here today. When you look at somebody else and say the grass is greener in their yard, here's the the deal. You just don't see the poop that's underneath the grass. Write that down. Tweet that out, right? (laughs) I mean, isn't that true? Like, we're looking at somebody else's life and going, man, I wish that I had what they have. But from our perspective, we can't see what they've gone through to get where they are and to have what they have. You know, you may even look at my life and go, Pastor, you got it good. You're a pastor. And look at all the blessings and all the great stuff. You have a great life. And I'm, I'm telling you, I do. I have a fantastic life. But here's what you don't know, that there's been a lot of poop that we've had to shovel in order to get to the life that we have now. And we still have poop that we have to shovel sometimes. Come on. And the truth is, when you start looking at somebody else's yard that's greener, maybe it's time you start watering your own. Maybe it's time you start saying, man, look at what I have. Maybe it's not perfect. Maybe it's not everything that I would like to have. But God has blessed me so much. And I'm going to embrace the goodness and the blessings of God in my life. And I'm going to stop qualifying it. And I'll tell you, this is what I do so many times. I find myself guilty of this. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm so thankful for the house that I have. But I wish we had new carpet. I'm so thankful for the job that I get to do, but I wish I had weekends off. Maybe it's time we get rid of those buts and we start going, I'm thankful for the house I have, period. I'm thankful for the job I get to work, period. I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. And when we begin to cultivate this attitude of gratitude, this attitude of thankfulness, it begins to change. And we, it's hard for us to be jealous of what somebody else has and see what somebody else is doing when we're being thankful for what God has done in our own life. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16, this is what the scripture says. Paul says, rejoice always. Everybody say, Always. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in what? In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In what circumstances? In all circumstances. When I have everything that I want, yes. When I don't have everything that I want, yes. In every and all circumstance, I'm going to give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for me. I'm telling you, do you belong to Jesus? Then if you belong to Jesus, you have everything. Everything you need, even if it's not as much as somebody else has, you have him and he is all you need. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate his goodness in my life. So here's how it looks. I told you some of the things that I'm jealous about. Sometimes I'm jealous of y'all that get the weekends off. But guess what? Here's the perspective that I have. I get Fridays off. And Fridays are awesome. And the kids are in school. And my wife's off with me too. So we get Friday date day. Come on. Friday date day is pretty awesome, right? And then, hey, hey. And then some of y'all, you get two weeks off during the year. Guess what? I get two weeks off during the year also. But even more than that, I have a church that's so generous and so loving that if I need some time off other than that man I'm able to do that as long as it's within reason in fact I got an incredible pastor's council who came to us last year and said not only do we want you to take your two weeks off of vacation we want you and your wife to take another entire week seven days get away from this place let the kids stay with someone else just go and rest and relax and recuperate and it is mandatory you have to do that and I said well I guess you twisted my arm I'll do that come on And I'm thankful for that, right? I told you sometimes I'm jealous of people that get to go home at 5 o'clock and work is done at 5 o'clock. But here's my new perspective is this. Is that, hey, I got a job where instead of just focusing on making money or making money for somebody else or making stuff, here's what I got. I got a job that I get to focus on making a difference for all of eternity. And my job is making a difference in others' lives. And I'm thankful for that. I told you sometimes I'm jealous of scratch golfers. I'm still working on that. one a little bit. But I'm telling you, here's my new perspective. My new perspective is I get to play golf. In fact, on Friday, on my day off, I got to play golf with some of my best friends, with some incredible men of God here in this church, and I beat them. Amen. Come on. And that's good. I'm thankful that I get to do that. I'm thankful that I play golf with my dad, who is not just my dad, but he's like my best friend. And I'm thankful that I've gotten to play golf with him all over the country in some of the best golf courses in the world. And I have a relationship with him when many people don't have a great relationship with their dad. And I can call my dad at any time. And I can play golf with my dad any I want. And I'm thankful that coming up in January, on January 27th, I'm having a little boy that in a few years I'm going to be playing golf with him and traveling the country playing some of the best golf courses in the world. And I'm telling you, i got something to be thankful thankful for and I'm not roving around with my appetite looking at everybody else's life going I wish I had what they had or I wish my life was like theirs I'm looking at my own life and I'm going I got it pretty good and maybe there's a little bit of poop underneath the yard but God has brought me through it and God has blessed me with some great things and I have no reason to be jealous of anybody else because God has brought goodness in my own life jealousy it's a big deal it's worldly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. It's of, the, it's of the devil, the Bible says. Where there is jealousy, there is all kinds of disorder and all kinds of evil. But I'm telling you, when we get this perspective that we realize, hey, I'm going to stop comparing to others, and I'm going to I'm I'm start celebrating the goodness of God in others, and I'm going to start embracing the goodness of God in my own life, suddenly I don't have any reason to be jealous of anybody else because I'm not comparing, and I'm lifting them up and encouraging them, and I'm being grateful for what God has done in my own life. All over this room, I want to I ask you today to join me in bowing your heads, closing your eyes this morning. Maybe some of you are here this morning and maybe you find yourself guilty of some of these things that we've talked about this morning. Maybe some of you here today, you, you've been comparing yourself to others. Maybe even in this room this morning, and you're, you're going, man, you know, but my life is not as bad as somebody else's life. I mean, I'm basically a good person and I, hey, I came to church this morning and so many people that don't go to church and man, you know, I'm not doing any of those big sins that you're talking about, pastor. I mean, it might be some little stuff or whatever, but man, I'm basically doing so much better than everybody else. But here's the truth. The scripture tells us that we don't compare ourselves to others. Here, here's the measure that we compare ourselves. we measure we compare ourselves is to Christ Jesus, who was perfect in every way. The scripture says that we have all sinned and we fall short, so short of the righteous standard of God. And some of you are here today, well, I'm not that bad. And here's the deal, it doesn't matter how good of a person you are, you still fall short of the glorious standard of God. And the only way to measure up is through relationship with Jesus. Others of you are here this morning, you're comparing yourself and you're looking and you're going, man... I'm so bad, like I look at other people, they're great Christians and look at their life and I've messed up so much and I've committed so many sins and my life is a mess and God could never forgive me and I could never have relationship with him and I'm here to tell you today that Jesus loves you so much that no matter how bad you have been and no matter how far that you have gone, the Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We sang about it this morning, nothing can separate us from the love of God. God for you today that is in Christ Jesus and you can experience that love and you can experience that relationship today and all you have to do is call upon him whether you've been good or whether you've been bad none of us deserve it but he has loved us anyway and the Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved that if we will confess our sin in 1 John 1 9 if we confess our sin he is faithful and just and he will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you're here today and you say, I know, man, maybe I've been comparing myself to someone else and I go, man, I'm better than them. Or I've been comparing myself to someone else and you go, man, I'm such a sinner. On either side of that coin, today the truth is you need God. You need a relationship with Him. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your sin is not forgiven today but it can be. All you got to do is call out to him.